Welcome to the Myelin and Melanin podcast with Dawn and Dana. We are just two women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. And can you believe this is episode 28? Yeah, it's exciting. That it is. We're getting closer to spring and everything, I guess, uh, as we move along in, in the episodes. So, yeah, this is exciting. Yes, it is. Yeah. Today, we are really just going to dive right in because MS is all over the news this week. Um, yes. Haven't you seen all? It seems like every, it's all about MS, you know, all about yes. Thelma, all about MS. But uh, with the recent news, uh, the news reports and disclosure from Selma Blair, we kind of felt the need, Dana and I felt the need to place um, our focus on on her and the takeaways from this recent ABC interview that she did uh, with Robin Roberts. Did you happen to, to catch that interview? Yes, it was very powerful. What were, yeah, what were your initial thoughts? You know, at first, like I had to sit and just process for about a half hour mm-hmm. after the interview. My initial thoughts were, wow, like this is a lot. She is so brave for putting herself out there like that. Right. I mean, it, it was a lot. It was. It a lot. was. And I remember thinking, I think you had sent me a text message earlier or right afterwards, and and I was just like, I'm speechless. I think that's all I said yeah. because it was really, it was really impactful and powerful for me. You know, seeing her in that state and her being a mother, me being a mother, a single mother. You know, that yeah. that also resonate resonated with me and kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, wow, yeah, this is yeah. this is real for so many of us. Yes, and also because. She was recently diagnosed. You know, yes. when, when was her official? Like, she just came out with it in October. Yeah, right. I think August was when she was officially diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she had been having symptoms. I think she said for like maybe fifteen years before That's... her actual diagnosis. But yeah, but August was when she was diagnosed, and then October is when she came out. You know, with that infamous uh, Instagram post. But yeah, so it's uh, yeah, very recent. That's right. Yeah. And very recent. It's recent and it's you know, again going back to what we said, it's this is kind of like an individualized uh thing, you know, mm-hmm. just letting it all hang out. You know, we just had this disclosure episode the last um podcast. Yeah. And when do you tell? When do you tell, right. you know, the world? Yeah. And you and I both waited. And Master Ace even talked about that. He didn't right. tell anybody for a number of years, you know. Yeah. And it's been like years for us. And we're just now yes. being vocal and, you know, using this platform to discuss it. Yes. So she's brave for sure. She, she I really agree. is. Did you see, I don't know if you watched the Oscars or not, but there was kind of a big to-do at the Oscars when she came out with um, her cane. Mm-hmm. So she was on the red carpet, you know, modeling a dress. I think it was a Vanity Fair or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had her cane with her. That was, that's a big deal. It's not often that we see people with visible disabilities right. kind of in the limelight. Like in Hollywood, that's not just not something that we're accustomed to seeing. So, yeah, that was powerful. Had you seen 
the reports of that, like the pictures of her with her cane? I did. And I clicked on a small clip. I think it was maybe three, three minutes long or something. And the the reporters were, you know, snapping photos. Selma, yeah. look here. Selma, throw your dress up, you know, with your right. right hand. And she clearly was struggling, you know. Well, yeah. I, I'm not going to say she was. Okay. As an MS patient, looking at her, knowing what she's going through, mm-hmm. I, I know the struggle, you know. Yeah. And I yeah. was, I, the whole time I was almost like cringing and I, not cringing because I was afraid for her, but cringing because I know what that feels like. I know how you're trying to be elegant. You're trying to be pretty. You're trying to be, you know, um, dainty. It's, it's hard to do with it a cane is. in your hand. It yes. is. And, you know, she was like, she started to tear up and she was like, this is so hard. You all, you guys just don't know how hard this was for me. And that hit me like a ton of bricks too. I was like, yes, I can read your thoughts. I know what you mean. Because I remember going out one night with my friends and I had my cane. This was my first debut with the cane. And I was so embarrassed, you know, and it's just that feeling that, that because you want to, I don't know. I, I don't want to use the word fit in. You want to look yeah. normal, but that's, right. that's what I was thinking at that time. Yes. yes. So one of our, the people who we follow on social media, her name is Ardra and she has this really amazing blog called Tripping on Air. Yes. And on Twitter the other day, I saw she wrote a really, really powerful article about Selma Blair. She titled it, Why is Selma Blair so important right now? But she talks about, well, I'll just read a clip or a snippet of the article. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. So she writes, after going public with MS, with her MS diagnosis late October, actress Selma Blair has been peppering her Insta feed with pictures that include a cane. This is, this is a BFD, and that's a big fucking deal. Because <laughs> you don't typically see disability represented in La La Land or in media in general, at least not in a positive light. And it goes on. Sure, we see villains and victims, heroes and monsters, lazy tropes that are used to advance the stories of the main characters, stories that don't really have anything to do with the real-life experiences of people actually living with disability, which is why Selma's Oscar moment was such an important moment for disability visibility. As a society, we're conditioned to believe all kinds of negative stereotypes about disability, The words that are often associated with chronically ill include things like weakness, burden, victim, sad, other. These messed up ideas about disability, and in particular mobility aids, had a lot to do with my own anxiety and shame over being seen with a cane when I first started to need one. Okay. Wow. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yes. That I loved what she said and that yes. that hit home because it, it just speaks to what I was just saying about when I met up with my friends and I yes. first started using the cane. There is a stigma with these mobility devices because they look like you said before, so sterile. They look, <laughs> you know, like you're you belong 
somewhere, you know, that's not yeah. out in public having a good time. You belong in some sort of reha- rehabilitation center. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is, I, I'm still a, a functioning human being. I want to enjoy life. Yeah. And it looked as if that's what Selma Blair wanted to do. Enjoy life. Yeah. You know, no, I agree. So, yeah, so it was kind of twofold, the the ideas that I took away from the article. One, the fact that here is a celebrity out there and proud with her mobility aid. That's a big deal because we don't, it's not often that we see people with disabilities represented in the media at all. Right. right. You know, not in a quote unquote normal way, just living their lives. Mm -hmm. So that was one part. And then two, the fact that she had this like really cool cane, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like the old sterile looking cane. Right. And that's something else that she had talked about too um, in the interview with Robin Roberts. She kind of showed off her fancy cane that I think the um, handle was like patent leather or something and had real diamonds Mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, I could never afford real diamonds, but I do, when I first started to need a cane, I had ordered this cane with like little rhinestones in the handle because I refused to use something that was old looking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that sounds totally bad, like totally ageist now, <laughs> naiveless, but yeah, just like old, old lady looking cane. So I have this, you know, kind of rhinestone looking cane. And then I also have this like rose colored um, pink walker as well. And because, you know, walkers look old and clunky and cumbersome as well. And so it was really ironic. So, you know, when I, you know, have used these things, I always get, you know, comments and compliments on them. And it's so ironic because on one hand, I don't want to be noticed. You know what I mean? I don't want the mobility aids to be any sort of thing that's associated with me. On the other hand, I don't want somebody to look at me and be like, ugh. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. They become an extension of you. So why not have it, Yeah, you know, look decent? I don't know what men do, but I'm right. sure men don't necessarily care because they don't go around, you know, carrying flashy purses and painting right, their nails and right. things like that. But women, we do care because there yes. is a bit of vanity here, you know? Yes. Um, unfortunately, we do live in that society where women are looked at in certain ways and we kind of sometimes want to fit in and be looked at yes. as pretty, you know, and feminine and, and dainty, you know? Exactly. So, so yeah. what am, what is it going to look like when I'm carrying around my, you know, fancy looking purse and have my nails done and all this and then some clunky nasty looking cane or whatever you know like that it it doesn't go so no and and like this and the blog that that this ms Mm -hmm. tripping on air blog i loved what she said about as a society we're conditioned to believe all kinds of negative stereotypes about Mm -hmm. disability and if you don't look the part, if you will. I'm putting that in quotes. If mm-hmm. you're not, you know, if your nails, hair, and all of those things are not done, and then you've got this 
clunky walker and weird looking mm-hmm. cane people are unfortunately they're they're gonna stereo have you in a, yes. there's a stereotype there and they're gonna think oh this person's kind of like a useless part of society you know what i mean like push you aside yes. and then have yes. these thoughts about you know people content these continuous thoughts about people with disabilities like they look down and out they're sad they look impoverished and all these things and that's not the case yeah. You you know what's interesting though, as I hear you say that you're totally right. Like, you don't look the part if you look put together. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, people assume that if you have a disability, you're just going to look, you know, frumpy. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, though, too, people tend not to believe you when you look good. Right. You know what I mean? It's like a no one. You can't win. Like, oh, but you look so good. Like, you you have a mess. You have a disease. You're sick. Right. You look great. No. It, you know what I mean? It's a yeah. no-win situation. Right. Like what we always hear in the MS community. Oh, but you don't look sick. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, people exactly. have said that several times. And yeah, I, I just shake my head because it is really something that is misunderstood. And yeah. I think that this is why Selma Blair has come out if you will in the news the way that she has and on her her social media to mm-hmm. say this is the face of the you know the chronic illness that i have mm-hmm. and it right. doesn't have to look weak it doesn't like what yes. this blog is saying it doesn't have to look weak it doesn't have to look sad because i'm still a functioning human being i'm still an actress i'm still fire and i'm still beautiful yes. you know yes. and so here it is, and I'm creating awareness so that you all yes. can get over this stigma that you know society has a stigma that oh because you have this chronic illness you've got to be down and out. Her career is over. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. She actually has some exciting things going on. She was just yeah. in a Hallmark movie. Um, I know a lot of people don't like those you know Hallmark movies, but they're really <laughs> good, you know. Um, and then like I think you mentioned she had something on Netflix, right? Yeah, She's like, she, yeah. I think it's. I think later this month or later in the middle of March or end of March, I think it starts. But yeah, there's a series on Netflix that she's going to, I think it's like some sci-fi series or something, but nonetheless, she's a working actress. Right. And she shouldn't be discounted for, you know, like for having an illness that Mm -hmm. is affecting her right now because it's not who you are. It's what you have and what you have to deal with. You know, yes. so yeah, that's, that's, those are my two cents with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I, um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like all over the place after <laughs> about that. But yeah. one, one thing that initially kind of made my, my wheels turn was how MS is truly an individual disease. So, yes. um, sorry for my brain fog, uh, for no. that moment, folks, but, um, of course, I hate to sound like this broken record because, of course, we've pointed this out several times and and just different podcasts. But I I know that everyone is affected differently. Like we're all individuals, of course. Yes. And MS, yes, we have similar symptoms, but it affects everybody differently. Yeah. And so when she started speaking, I was like, oh wow, okay, yes. I. I forgot that it can affect your speech, you yes. know? So when she, meaning Selma Blair mm-hmm. in the interview, um, 
And then she mentioned spasmodic dysphonia. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there with my eyes wide open, like, oh my God, I need to learn more about this because I felt like this was something that I'm, I'm ignorant to this, you know, because yes. we, of course we all know about numbness and tingling and fatigue, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But this is like a lesser known, um, or it's not really spoken about, you know, yes. um, this, yes. this spasmodic dysphonia. So it's, it's not that I was like struggling to understand her, but I was right. like, because what she was conveying was completely clear, but the yes. fact that speech problems or challenges, it just like never came to my mind, you know? Yes. And like, we, we all get caught up in our individual ailments or our individual daily problems or challenges or MS challenges. And we tend to not focus on these, these lesser known or lesser spoken about, if you will, you know, um, issues that come about with MS. So yeah, what, like, it's really, it's unbelievably difficult to think about like all of the things that we face in the MS community, you know, what, what we deal with. What, what did you think about that? Like, did you, had you known about this spasmodic dysphonia? No, I hadn't. And well, one thing that kind of like caught me off guard before the interview even started, Robin Roberts had kind of made a disclaimer that, you know, her speech has been affected by the MS. And then, you know, the interview proceeded and then we heard her talk. And I had heard people with MS, I think Richard Pryor maybe experienced some of that. And so I've, but it's not something that you hear about a lot. And I don't know anybody personally who has experienced that. But yeah, I I don't know much about it. Um, but I do know I was, you know, researching mm-hmm. dysphonia and from the MS Unites, and I'll put the uh, link on the blog, but the spasmodic dysphonia is a type of dystonia and dystonia is characterized by long lasting involuntary muscle contractions. Mm-hmm. And that makes total sense. So Dystonia can occur in any limb. So she, hers happens to be, her larynx happens to be affected. But this could happen to your finger, your hands, your foot, legs. I mean, any muscle, muscle control. And so this makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking about things like muscle spasms and spasticity and all of that, her larynx just happens to be affected. Right. So it like was, what you'd feel in your legs, for example, like a tremor or something yes. mm-hmm. is kind of like what she's facing or exactly. dealing with, with her voice. Okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And yeah, that makes sense to me when I think about it like that. If you mm-hmm. think about the fact that, you know, your muscles, you know, your nervous system and nerves are going crazy and affecting your muscles and, you know, any muscle can be affected. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I I was just listening to her and I said, oh, okay, well, knowing what I know, which, you know, I know a little bit, but not a whole bunch, you know, after, you know, studying and reading, but I was like, oh, okay, well, she might have lesions in the cervical, Mm -hmm. like the C5, C6 area, because, you know, that's the throat area, you know, so Mm -hmm. she's got to have something going on in order for this to really affect her in this way. You know, I was like trying to think about where her lesions were located. (laughs) 
But um, it, 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 I don't know why this fascinated me because optic neuritis fascinates me too. You know, like you've experienced yeah. that, but I've never experienced that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. I think that just goes, you know, just, you know, as I've never experienced what Selma Blair, either, neither of us have experienced this. Right. Um, which again, like you were just saying before, this just goes to show how individual this disease is. No two people experience MS the same way. No. And may never, you know, and this is not to say, you know, I hope that people, because for people who aren't really familiar with MS, this interview might have been very scary. Oh, absolutely. You know, if you were just diagnosed and didn't have any, or maybe if you don't have that, you maybe know people with MS, like that, that is scary. You know, well, yeah, and she. I'm. I'm thinking now, really quickly. I want to just add this. I another point from the um, ABC interview with Robin Roberts. I thought was was really fascinating. Was that Selma Blair thought that she had had Parkinson's because she was mentioning that she had reached out to uh, Michael J. Fox. Yes, because she didn't know what was happening. And I remember in one of our first episodes that I had said that was the first thing I thought of because the doctor told me, oh, you have MS. And I wasn't familiar with MS. I was familiar with other neurological challenges, you know, for example, Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. And I thought, just like Janet Reno, is that what you're telling Mm me? And for everybody, you know, if anybody doesn't remember Janet Reno, you can look her up. But I, that's what I thought. And so that what, what Selma Blair said kind of resonated with me because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to start shaking. And, you know, I I don't know. You just have this tremendous fear that comes over you and you don't know. Right. But what's interesting though, even though, you know, Michael J. Fox, he clearly doesn't have MS, but his voice is affected right by the Parkinson's. And so that being said, it would make more sense for her to reach out to him as an actor who has symptoms that are more similar to hers versus, I don't know, another celebrity, Montel. Celeb- Montel for, so, and, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, the default. <laughs> um, then we should go to Montel who clearly is not experiencing those symptoms. Exactly. That, you know, Michael J. Fox, another, you know, actor who working actor who is experiencing this is going to have better advice, I guess. Yeah. He's going to be able to relate to her more or maybe she relate to him. So yeah, again, this just goes back to the fact that, you know, no two people with MS are going to experience the same thing. The same thing. Right. And you know what else was interesting? And you, I know, I know you probably thought the same thing that doctors or her one doctor or doctors, I, ca- I can't remember right at the moment, they mm-hmm. didn't believe her. So yes. she went at least, what, seven or more years, a decade yeah. without a solid diagnosis. She didn't yes. know. And so she said that she, this was in the, art in the not the article, the interview. interview. She said she was self-medicating. And, yes. you know, self-medicating, like, I think she said she wasn't like getting drunk, but she would drink to kind of numb the pain mm-hmm. and numb right. whatever she was dealing with. So yeah, that's kind of like self-medicating of course, but yeah. I thought that that was really wild because 
why did it take so long? You're in Los Angeles. You're in, right? you know, like MS Tripping on Air said, La La Land. You've got the right. best of everything out there. Why mm-hmm. aren't they, you know, diagnosing you with MS? Because it's clearly MS. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's interesting, too, because if I'm remembering correctly from, I don't know if it was the interview or her Vanity Fair article, when she had had an MRI, it revealed a bunch of lesions. Now, if somebody would have sent her for an MRI sooner, they probably would have diagnosed the MS yes. sooner. You know what I mean? But, you know, just kind of dismissing her symptoms as, oh, well, you're just tired, you know, you need a break, right. you're stressed out, whatever. Yeah. It took, I, yeah, years. It That's took crazy. years. And I, I feel for her because that must have been extraordinarily frustrating, torturous, you know, yes. when you know your body, you know you're functioning differently, and mm-hmm. somebody's still telling you, oh, well, you'll be fine, you know? Yes. And that's not okay. That really is not okay. Um, I think that we, you and I, are lucky to have neurologists that were really proactive mm-hmm. and, yes. um, you know, ready to attack, even right. though we weren't super compliant, you know? <laughs> right. Right, um, but they were ready to um, fight this this illness for us when we exactly. weren't ready, you know. And that's exactly. kind of what you need. You need a doctor that's ready to punch it before you are, you know. Because yes. I think now we are ready and have been for right. a while. But right. you need that guidance. You need that doctor to just jump in and say, "Look, this is what's going to happen." And and yes. one last thing I'll, I'll say about this, I think that if you go untreated with such a progressive illness and something that is that has the capability of pretty much you know wiping out your daily functions um mm-hmm. if you go untreated for so long it can present so many lasting challenges so yes. who knows what she, what other things that she deals with you know what i mean and maybe yeah. if I don't know. I hate to say coulda, shoulda, woulda, and I because I don't know, and I don't know what the doctors were thinking, and I'm sure everybody's doing the best that they can yes. to help and and treat her. But in, in any other scenario, it, it's always better to get some sort of disease modifying therapy or some sort of treatment or steroids or yes. something to kind of like stop this in its tracks for a moment, and then regroup and say, okay, yes. I, let's let's see what this is about, and let's start this aggressive therapy. Yes. No, I completely agree. And it's interesting. So I, even though when I, as those of you who've listened to the podcast know that my presenting symptom was optic neuritis, as soon as the optic neuritis was identified, I, you know, went on, you know, a DMT right away and, you know, continued on, you know, started my official MS fight. But before I was officially diagnosed, I remember when I was first presenting with my symptoms, my optic neuritis symptoms, and I shared this in, I think, our very first podcast, you know, I had pain in my eye, my eyes were blurry and all that. And I just went to a regular GP and he thought that I was, it was a sinus infection. And so he told me to you know, I don't know, probably prescribe me something over the counter or an antibiotic maybe, which we know isn't going to do shit for MS. Right. But but anyway, so then, you know, told me to come back in a week if it hadn't cleared up. 
I so of course went home, took the antibiotics, or whatever, wasn't clearing up, came back, and then this GP had uh, prescribed not prescribed me, sent me to or referred me to an ophthalmologist who did an examination and immediately saw that it was that my optic nerve was inflamed, sent me for an MRI. MRI revealed MS and I was, you know, went started seeing the neurologist that I go to now. That I bring all of this up to say that I like by the time that it was discovered that optic neuritis is what I was suffering from, it was too late for treatment. When you have optic neuritis, you have to attack it immediately right. with steroids to get your optic nerve, you know, to deal with the inflammation because when it's inflamed, that's where all the damage is happening. And so by the time, you know, again, by the time that it was discovered, it was just too late. And still to this day, I have residual damage in that eye because it was just too late for any sort of treatment. So yes, it's key to get treatment, to get acute treatment at the very least. Immediately. Otherwise, and like I said, I have residual damage. So, yeah. That's unbelievable to me. And I'm just sitting here shaking my head because Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, why do we get silenced? You know, why is it that we are dismissed? And exactly. I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. It, yes. And it's diagnosis or just being ignored. Yes. And you so want to feel better. So you kind of just go home thinking, well, the doctor doesn't think anything's wrong with me. So I'll just mm-hmm. keep pushing, keep going, you know. And that's kind of like so awful. You know what I mean? It it's is. like, no, it you you can't ignore this. It's no. like counterintuitive to go to the doctor and then kind of ignore it. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. It makes me wonder, you know, when I think about my own experience, I w- and I was very young when I was diagnosed. I was 23 going on 24. But I wonder if I was an older person or even a man, if this doctor would have taken the symptoms that I was presenting with more serious. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Than just telling me, oh no, go home. It's a sinus infection, blah, blah, blah. You know, you just wonder if, you know, the fact that, you know, you right. just wonder if gender plays a role in that. I don't know. But yeah. No, yeah. and and I don't like that label of being seen as a hypochondriac or, yes. you know, you're making this up. You know, that yes. that, that kind of adds to the anxiety that you're already having, you know, thanks. <laughs> yeah, right, you know? exactly. So it's interesting. It it's is. really interesting. And like I said, we are super lucky to have the neurologist that we have. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Something that I thought was really, I don't know, interesting. Well, interesting probably isn't the right word. I was bothered by it. Uh, was in the interview when Summer Blair mentioned that her neurologist told her that in a year from now, because of her treatments and everything, she would probably be 90% back to her old self. Uh, that's not how MS works. No. That bothered me. And I, yeah, I, I'm no doctor, but I've had MS for 15 years. I know how this disease works. And I just, you know, it made me wonder what, you know, what treatment is she on that this doctor can say 
you know, can tell her that a year from now you'll be 90% back to normal. Like, how will they measure that? Exactly. That was my first thought, first of all. And then, second, I'm thinking, okay, how is it that you can be 90% back when? It takes a minute to get, because, okay, for example, like with you, how long did it take for your optic neuritis to, and your eyes, your eyesight to kind of get back to normal, you know? Well, well, as far, in my bad eye, like my, for the first optic neuritis affected uh-huh. eye, it's never, you know, like the pain stopped. It doesn't hurt anymore, but I still, if I cover my good eye, it's still blurry. Right. Like my eyes now compensate for each mm-hmm. other, but because I didn't have treatment, it never got back to normal. Um, and like I said, I could never tell if I'm just looking straight at something with both eyes uncovered. I, I can't tell that my one eye is affected. However, I will say this I had a second bout of optic neuritis, maybe. I don't know, two years after my first one. By that time, I knew exactly. When I woke up and I was having those symptoms, I immediately knew what was going on. Went to my neurologist, was put on steroids, and, you know, within, you know, I think, I don't know, it was a three or five day course. Nonetheless, you know, about two weeks later, the inflammation had stopped, obviously, and my eye, and now my good eye went came back to normal. Mm -hmm. So, and I say that to say that you have to, this just goes back to what I was saying earlier. You have to have like immediate treatment for acute attacks. Right. And, um, and to give a false, again, I'm not knocking anybody's doctor or anybody's hope because Mm -hmm. I do believe in the power of positive thinking, but I asked my doctor, so will I ever run again? And she looked at me and she said, mm. no, <laughs> you know, and that's, well, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back yeah. to, I keep saying normal, but I'm putting this in air right. quotes because yeah, it, I, 90%, I don't know. I'm not 90% back to where I was before I was diagnosed. Well, see, and that's the thing, you know, and I, you know, when I talk about like my second bout of optic neuritis, That was something that was very acute. My optic nerve was inflamed. The steroids helped that inflammation. And, you know, luckily not, you know, no lasting or not a lot noticeable, you know, I guess I'll say damage was done. And so it kind of resolved itself. That being said, Selma Blair has had MS, even though she was just diagnosed in August, she's been having symptoms for 15 years, I think she said. For a doctor to say after all this time, and I don't know if she's had, you know, steroids and all that stuff, that a year from now, you'll be 90% back to normal. I don't know. It just, and again, yeah, like you said, I'm not knocking or doubting her doctor, but that's just from my experiences. That's just not... It's, it, I, I don't know. It, it gives false hope and just sort of seems irresponsible to me. Absolutely. There, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. And again, I loved her interview. I think she's an amazing yes. woman. And I thank her for her candidness. And is that a word? Yeah. Yes. For, for her being completely right. transparent. I love that. Yeah. However, I 
just that didn't sit right with me for no. her. You know what I mean? Like for a doctor to say that. And and I loved her 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 outlook and her being happy. Yes. And you know, yes. and we've touched on this slightly before too about, you know, being happy and and MS, mm-hmm. you know, kind of healing, you know, fixing itself. Mm-hmm. And that gives the world an idea that MS, okay, you're going to be down and out and you may have it for a number of years and you may go misdiagnosed for a number of years, but you're going to be back to normal, you know, 80% or 90%. Yeah. And that's just not really, I don't know. Maybe in certain cases, I can't say, I don't know. Right. I Right. Exactly. One thing that I did appreciate that she said, well, I appreciated everything that she said, but after she had made that comment about the 90% back to normal, she had commented, but even if I'm not, I'll still be back here a year from now and we'll do it, do this interview and be again. just as beautiful. So, yes. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, that tells me that she, you know, she's being realistic about this. However, it just bothers me that somebody who may not be very familiar with MS might think to themselves, oh, well, her doctor told her she'll be 90% back to normal after a year. So that's how this works. And it's like, no, it's not. Right. I don't know which part bothered me the most. The fact that this medical professional made that statement or people from the outside looking in that aren't really familiar with MS thinking what, like what you just said, Oh, it'll, it'll get better. She'll get better. I don't know which one bothered me more. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It's tough. And again, I'm not for anybody listening to this. We're not knocking her doctor at all or anything. It's just, We've had MS for a long time, and I guess, you know, we think we have a good understanding of how the disease operates, yes. and that just didn't sound, it just didn't sit right with me, I thought. Right, and I I think the yeah. fact that we have time on our side and MS has been, you know, attached to our, our hip, if you will, yes. <laughs> for so yes. long, I think we do have a little bit of credibility here, and we can say these yeah. things, you know. Um, yeah. And, and again, like you said, not being critical, but it, it's just no. a different, it gives a different perspective. I can say that. Right. <laughs> and we want to be realistic. Right. right. You know, I don't want to dismiss the power of positive thinking and hope and happiness and all of that. But, you know, I just think we all need a dose of reality sometimes. And so, you know, this whole 90% figure just, I don't know, didn't sit right with me. I hope that that happens. I I hope and pray that I do. do. And that would be wonderful. If it doesn't, you know, that will be just as fine. But I just don't want people to have false hope after hearing that. Right. Because the reality is MS is a disease that is progressive. Um, it's challenging. You may or may not get back to who you once were before diagnosis. Right. Um, right. And it again, going back to what we were saying, it's an individual. Um, yes. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. No two people are affected the same. Right. But I love the interview. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Selma. Yes. Thank you, Robin Roberts of yeah. ABC. It was 
It was amazing. amazing. It was fantastic. And we have another warrior in our community. And I am so happy to have her here. And I'm sure everyone else in the community, they're just as happy happy as well. Yes. Uh, You know, I know you agree, and I'm sure everybody with MS who's listening to this agrees. I think that we are really some of the strongest people there are. Hands down. Yes, period. Like, if that's not up for debate, because this is an intense disease. Yes to deal with and just to even get up every morning and have a positive attitude and go about your day and keep going. That's huge. It really is. So I, you know, we're all strong and I just want to, again, like you said, just thank her because she, for putting herself out there and being vulnerable and transparent, that was, that meant a lot to all of us. I'm going to speak for the entire MS community. That means a lot. And even on those days, and sometimes I have to be sensitive and watch what I say because I'm like super, you know, hi, good morning, smile, let's get up and move, you know? And and I have to remember sometimes people can't smile. Like you literally, you can't like the muscles in your face, you can't smile. Right. And so I have to remember to say, just breathe or Exactly. Blink, you know, uh, or something like if you want to be positive, just do do what you can do what your body can do. If you can lift exactly. a finger, you know, so so like I said, my hat goes off to her because she's amazing. We're all amazing. And I'm yes. just happy that we are still, you know, like able to laugh and exactly and provide information and, and talk. Yes. 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 With all that said, oh, this was a lot. It, it was. was yeah. It was. But I really want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode. Um, we want to thank you for tuning into Myelin and Melanin. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Myelin Melanin, and YouTube, which I just posted a new video on YouTube. So we have something new there. So anyway, thanks again, everybody. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.